Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Mark 8, verses 34 to 38, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ in this passage are particularly weighty and solemn. They are spoken to correct the mistaken views of his disciples as to the nature of his kingdom, but they contain truths of the deepest importance to Christians in every age of the church. The whole passage is one which should often form the subject of private meditation. We learn for one thing from these verses, the absolute necessity of self-denial if we would be Christ's disciples and be saved. What says our Lord? Whoever would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Salvation is undoubtedly all of grace. It is offered freely in the gospel to the chief of sinners, without money and without price. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8-9 But all who accept this great salvation must prove the reality of their faith by carrying the cross after Christ. They must not think to enter heaven without trouble, pain, suffering, or conflict on earth. They must be content to take up the cross of doctrine and the cross of practice, the cross of holding a faith which the world despises and the cross of living a life which the world ridicules as too strict and overly righteous. They must be willing to crucify the flesh, to mortify the deeds of the body, to fight daily with the devil, to come out from the world and to lose their lives, if necessary, for Christ's sake and the gospel's. These are hard sayings, but they admit of no evasion. The words of our Lord are plain and unmistakable. If we would not carry the cross, we shall never wear the crown. Let us not be deterred from Christ's service by fear of the cross. Heavy as that cross may seem, Jesus will give us grace to bear it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Thousands and tens of thousands have borne it before us and have found Christ's yoke easy and Christ's burden light. No good thing on earth was ever attained without trouble. We cannot surely expect that without trouble we can enter the kingdom of God. Let us go forward boldly and allow no difficulty to keep us back. The cross, by the way, is but for a few years. The glory at the end is forevermore. Let us often ask ourselves whether our Christianity costs us anything. Does it entail any sacrifice? Has it the true stamp of heaven? Does it carry with it any cross? If not, 
We may well tremble and be afraid. We have everything to learn. A religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. It will do us no good in the life that now is. It will lead to no salvation in the life to come. We learn for another thing from these verses the unspeakable value of the soul. What says our Lord? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? These words were meant to stir us up to exertion and self-denial. They ought to ring in our ears like a trumpet every morning when we rise from our beds and every night when we lie down. May they be deeply engraved in our memories and never effaced by the devil and the world. We all have souls that will live forevermore. Whether we know it or not, we all carry with us something which will live on when our bodies are decomposing in the grave. We all have souls for which we shall have to give an account to God. It is a dreadful thought when we consider how little attention most men give to anything except this world. But it is true. Any man may lose his own soul. He cannot save it. Christ alone can do that. But he can lose it, and that in many different ways. He may murder it by loving gin and cleaving to the world. He may poison it by choosing a religion of lies and believing man-made superstitions. He may starve it by neglecting all means of grace and refusing to receive into his heart the gospel. Many are the ways that lead to the pit. Whatever way a man takes, he and he alone is accountable for it. Weak, corrupt, fallen, impotent as human nature is, man has a mighty power of destroying, ruining, and losing his own soul. The whole world cannot make up to a man the loss of his soul. The possession of all the treasures that the world contains would not compensate for eternal ruin. They would not satisfy us and make us happy while we had them. They could only be enjoyed for a few years at best and must then be left forevermore. Of all unprofitable and foolish bargains that man can make, the worst is that of giving up his soul's salvation for the sake of this present world. It is a bargain of which thousands, like Esau, who sold his birthright for a mess of porridge, have repented, but many unhappily, like Esau, have repented too late. Let these sayings of our Lord sink deep into our hearts. Words are inadequate to express their importance. May we remember them in the hour of temptation, when the soul seems a small and unimportant thing, and the world seems very bright and great. May we remember them in the hour of persecution, when we are tried by the fear of man, and half inclined to forsake Christ. In hours like these, let us call to mind this mighty question of our Lord and repeat it to ourselves. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We learn in the last place from these verses the great danger of being ashamed of Christ. What says our Lord? Whoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. When can it be said of anyone that he is ashamed of Christ? We are guilty of it when we are ashamed of letting people see that we believe and love the doctrines of Christ 
that we desire to live according to the commandment of Christ, and that we wish to be reckoned among the people of Christ. Christ's doctrine, laws, and people were never popular and never will be. The man who boldly confesses that he loves them is sure to bring on himself ridicule and persecution. Whoever shrinks from this confession from fear of this ridicule and persecution is ashamed of Christ and comes under the sentence of the passage before us. Perhaps there are few of our Lord's sayings which are more condemning than this. The fear of man does indeed bring a snare. Proverbs 29.25 There are thousands of men who would face a lion or storm a beach if duty called them and fear nothing. And yet they would be ashamed of being thought religious and would not dare to avow that they desired to please Christ rather than man. Amazing indeed is the power of ridicule. Incredible is the bondage in which men live to the opinion of the world. Let us all pray daily for faith and courage to confess Christ before men. Of sin or worldliness or unbelief, we may well be ashamed. We ought never to be ashamed of him who died for us on the cross. In spite of laughter, mockery, and hard words, let us boldly avow that we serve Christ. Let us look often forward to the day of his second coming and remember what he says in this place. Better, a thousand times confess Christ now and be despised by man than be disowned by Christ before his Father in the day of judgment. That is the end of Raoul's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? Does our Christianity cost us anything? What are times or situations in which we have had to sacrifice for the sake of Christ and his gospel? Second, do we live as if the world is passing away and our souls will go on forever? If truly believing this results in clinging to the cross and denying self, Could we say that we believe it? And third, when confronted with confessing Christ, are we ashamed or afraid of what others think of us? Do we fear more of Christ being ashamed of us on the final day or of being ridiculed by others? Would we pray regularly to fear Christ rather than man?